Hey, Tyler. Oh, hey. Hey, what? Hey, did you know that uh, Dad's Meat World has its own gear shop? We have a gear shop? How does that even work? That's very simple. You visit dadsmeatworld.threadless.com and you can get yourself a shirt, a hoodie, magnets, stickers, all kinds of stuff with our logo or even our beautiful faces on it that you can wear or slap up on your laptop, your phone, or whatever you want to put it on and show your love for our podcast. Wait a minute. You're telling me I can get a picture of my face that I can wear? That's right. Won't your wife love that? My wife would love that indeed. And I think uh, I would greatly appreciate it if I saw more Daz Meat World stuff out there because I think uh, we have some fans and I think they want to represent. That's right. So go to dazmeatworld.threadless.com. I'm going there right now. Welcome to Daz Meet World, a deep dive podcast into the show Boy Meets World. Join me, Tyler, and dad number one. <laughs> and me, Brett, dad number dos. Yes, we are two dads, and we decided to go through and figure out uh, what is this world that we're living in uh, through the eyes of the 90s and Corey Matthews. That's Brett. Right. How you doing today? I'm I I am cool. I'm cool. Yes. God help me. <laughs> I'm doing alright. Yes, right. indeed. How are you, Tyler? I'm doing good. I got something on my mind that I want to talk to you about real quick. All right. What do you got? So you know, as I know, and I think a lot of our audience also is aware that there is a Boy Meets World podcast out there that some of the uh, people that are on it are part of. Um, as I like to refer to them, the competition. That's right. They are a competition. Um, exactly. Now, we have nothing but love and respect for them as the people that were actors, as people themselves, and portraying the characters. Of course. Um, you know, for, for the record, for me, I am only listening to episodes as we get done producing them. So I don't want to listen to something they say and have that affect what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think something came out around this this episode as they were recording about you know being uncomfortable with the kissing and all that jazz and i don't i don't want to take anything away from what they had experienced as people and you know being awkward and you know being forced to do things maybe they weren't fully comfortable with Mm -hmm. um but you know they as we see them as dads is they are young people that are going to be young people and what do young people do They make very poor choices. Um, And sometimes that means that they end up kissing people maybe they shouldn't be kissing or, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, going worse. But at the end of the day, you know, we don't want to discourage, uh, A, people from listening to that podcast because I like it. I listen to it. But... And we you love know, the people that are it, that are hosting. Yeah, exactly. Love the people. <laughs> hey, if they want to come on this podcast, we'll have them anytime, any day. Of course. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, we, we can only report how we view things from the character perspective. Right. And you we're, know, we weren't there. Right. Our, our, uh, the, the reason that we set out to put this podcast together was to, to go back and revisit something that we loved growing up and that we have loved as dads and to 
uh, to view what was put on the screen in front of us and interpret that as dads, as teenagers, as college students. And you know, anything that happened behind the scenes, we can't really speak to because we weren't there. We weren't, we didn't experience it. And it's, uh, you know, if, if it was rough, you know, we, we feel for, we feel for the actors, the, anyone who was impacted negatively. If it was something that was uh, just part of the business, then we understand that. But yeah, we, we can't really speak to anything behind the scenes because that's just not a uh, part of the world that we're a part of. And so it's not that we will choose to ignore any of that. It's just not part of why we have chosen to do our podcast. If you listen to our podcast and you feel like we are doing a disservice by not addressing that, well, that's, this is why. (laughs) Right. Our goal is to talk about what are the themes we're seeing? What are the things we're learning? You know, and Hey, does this show still hold up and do we still love it? The answer is yes. <laughs> of course. It is no. yes. Because, I mean, yes. Uh, yeah, so I just I wanted to just bring that up real quick because, you know, I know that they're revealing stuff about what was going on in the background. And, you know, and at the end of the day, they are children when this show first starts. Um, mm-hmm. And, again, it's, it's a work environment. And not every work environment's great. Your boss is not always going to be the nicest person. And, you know, it does suck. But we can only take it from the vantage point of what are they putting on screen uh, and how do we feel about it? And honest to goodness, everything I see from all three of those actors, what they do, I love everything they're doing. And I think they're doing amazingly. Mm-hmm. Even though um, Hunter believes he's uh, overacting as a child actor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it, it, it has to be hard watching yourself do stuff and feeling probably what you felt at the time and you know i know when i listen back to things i'm doing i'm like gosh why'd you say that why'd you talk so much (laughs) but at the end of the day you know we're all just trying to do our best and that's all mr feeney wants from us is to do our best that's right do good so good job try Uh, (laughs) yes we love you all good job uh will and danielle and um Ryder. i'm proud of all three of you you did. You did. You tried. <laughs> did I call? Did I refer to him as Hunter? You did. <laughs> I did. Sorry, Ryder. Now he won't come on our show. Oh, man. Ah, darn it. <laughs> but please, if either of them want to come on, I would love to have them because they're all wonderful people. And, you know, I adore them for sure. That's right. We might be good Not for their ratings. Savage, though. We, we might help goose their ratings. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They're going to need us eventually. <laughs> All right. So with all that out of the way. (laughs) Yes. Let's get into this episode. Uh, We start off in the backyard, actually. Feeney's backyard. Oh, before we get to that, we didn't even talk about the title or any any of that synopsis stuff. Oh, my gosh. The number (laughs) two really fell for that one right there. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, this is episode seven of season one. Grandma was a rolling stone. And uh, the synopsis for this one is Feeney's niece comes for a visit and Eric gets Morgan to help in asking her out. Corey and the kid's grandma comes for the weekend and she makes a promise to Corey 
but he's disappointed when she leaves early, and he misses out on the fishing trip with Sean and his dad. This episode was written by Ed Dechter and John J. Strauss, directed by David Trainer. Originally aired November 12th, 1993, and currently enjoys a IMDb rating of 7.6, just slightly higher than our previous episode. And now, we return to Mr. Feeney's backyard. So we're in the backyard. Corey and Sean are looking for snails for a bait. Now, you may be wondering, Brett, do you use snail for uh, fishing? I wondered why Corey thought they used snails for fishing when he's clearly been fishing with his dad before. You think so. And uh, <laughs> don't worry, we don't have to deep dive on that because Alan Matthews makes it very clear. You don't use snails to uh, fish. And so uh, Corey is quite disappointed in Mr. Feeney that he would trick both he and Sean. Manipulating young and impressionable minds. I hope you're proud of yourself, Mr. Feeney. Indeed I am, Mr. Matthews. You know, there's a part of me that loves Feeney outside the classroom because he he is a older version of Corey and Sean. He really is. He gets he can get devious. Mm-hmm. You know, he can he's no has no problem with running a small con, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah. you know, going back to the second episode, he could correct Corey and say, Yep, you know, this is the amount, this is the actual prop proper amount. You know, but he goes, hey, you don't want to do the math right? I'll give you the amount you're saying. Yeah, he has no problem being a little bit uh, shifty outside of class. So Alan starts going over the way to send the perfect cast. And uh, George starts talking about uh, the perfect time he went fishing, which in in 1956. (laughs) um, That's only a couple of years ago from even this point. Uh, You may be wondering, Brett, 1956, how is that possible for Mr. Feeney? I am wondering. I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. I know you were. The actor, known as William Daniels, uh, was born in 1927. And so at the time of uh, 1956, he would have been 29 years old. Mm -hmm. So in one more year, he would have been the same age as me, which is weird to think about. So when Boy Meets World started in 1993, he was 66 years old. Almost old enough to retire in most schools. Yeah. I think that's the reason why almost every ep- every single season ends with, I'm considering retiring. Because <laughs> he deserves it. <laughs> He's there. He's He should. <laughs> Potentially in the show, I think they make it seem like he may be closer to like the late 50s than in his 60s. But, you know. Yeah, he does. He has written a little younger than that. But, I mean, he pulls it off. I would have never thought that he was in his 60s up until the point that I looked. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not that unreasonable that Mr. Feeney wouldn't be in his 20s-ish around the time of uh, the 50s. Mm-hmm. And for him to consider that being a perfect day on the lake or wherever he was saying, I can't fully remember. I started to drown out what he was saying. <laughs> well, so did Alan, because his... his uh... <laughs> yes, Alan <laughs> apparently is seeing Feeney as his future, and that scares him. He does. It, it scares dad. Did you scare yourself? <laughs> yes, I did. Oh, wow. 
And we're mind, we're reminded again that Eric's not going because he's discovered girls. Yes. Um, it's made very clear this episode that Eric has an obsession and that obsession is girls. Oh, yes. But then uh, we're inside the house and we hear a certain noise. Uh, grandma's coming in. Uh, grandma's uh, honking noise is La Cucaracha, which unlocks a deep dive for us real quick. Ah. So La Cucaracha has no official origin, uh, roughly uh, uh, the no- early uh, 1900s. Again, a lot of things are coming out right at the turn of the century in the, in the 90- 1900s. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's a great time to be alive. Yeah, apparently. Unless, uh, you know, swine flu's going on. Except for the whole Spanish flu thing. You oh, know. Spanish flu. I'm sorry. Uh, but <laughs> La Cucaracha <laughs> was developed around the time of the Mexican Revolution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I forgot to mention, I do apologize. Thank you. I forgot to mention, that's going to have an all episode, isn't it? it Every might. time I'm about to say something, you're going to do I can neither confirm nor deny. So, anywho, uh, we see before we hear the honking uh, that Eric is teaching Morgan, like how you would teach a dog, how to help him pick up girls. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> So much so that she would say something cute and then would just open her mouth expecting the treat. Well, you know, some guys use a golden retriever. I figure why not use the weasel here? It's great. <laughs> uh, so Grandma comes in. Uh, Grandma. Bernice Matthews is played by Rue McClanahan. That's what I was getting to. 123 acting credits. Yep. The love. Uh, she played... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You, you got the list. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh. You're, you're on it. Go ahead. Oh, okay. The Love Boat mod, but probably best known as Blanche Devereaux from Golden Girls. And she acted right up through the year before she passed uh, in 2010. Also, you missed that she was also in Mama's house. She plays yes, she Aunt was. Fran. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, 123 acting credits. Uh, I could have gone on and on and on. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there. <laughs> I agree. But I'm just saying, you know, getting ready for school early morning. At one point, I was waking up at like five o'clock in the morning just to get ready for school. I don't know why I was getting up at five o'clock. I just was. <laughs> and then I'd fall back asleep. But if I but depending on what channel I was on, I'd be like, hey, this is interesting. This is old lady. <laughs> so anywho, grandma comes in, Bernice. Uh, she wasn't expected, uh, but she just kind of arrived. Yep, and yep. so the Matthews are just like, well, this is happening now. Yep. First thing she says is to Morgan, which is, where's my present? Of course, as all children do. Especially the babies. Yep. Yes, I agree. Um, but is what's fascinating to me is that she's around enough that Morgan and her have a rapport. Mm-hmm. Like she's not a stranger to Morgan and uh, very much recognizes her as grandma, super excited and, you know, has truly a good relationship, you can argue, with each of the grandkids. Mm-hmm. It's just she comes, she goes, she comes, she goes. We never know when we're going to see her again. Yep. Yeah. And, and in the case of the show, never. She's she's yeah. With we will never see her again. 
<laughs> she will join the ranks of family members that are never to be heard from again. But yeah, she is uh, her RV convoy. Apparently, it's all over the country, but she clearly makes it back into Philadelphia often enough that she's been able to connect with her grandchildren and get to know them well enough. Because this was before FaceTime and video chatting, mm-hmm. and, and even uh, you know, you she would have to find payphones to call from the road at this point if she wanted to talk to the family. Mm-hmm. So she, she's clearly been around often enough to be able to build relationships with the grandchildren. She just doesn't stick around long enough to really right. maintain them beyond uh, you know something exciting in town, and then. You know, pulling up mm-hmm. stakes. So yeah, it's a uh, it's an interesting uh, interesting dynamic there. And I I found her presence for the kids and the family all interesting. So she tells the kids, "Hey, clear your schedules. I got something planned for each of you." Uh, Morgan and her are going shopping. Eric and her are going to a car show. And her and Corey are apparently going to Baltimore to get a uh, rookie. Cal Ripken card sign. That's right. Yeah. And he tackles her. He's so excited. Yes. That's a lot to do, though, in one weekend. Yes, it is. (laughs) Oh, man. A car show alone or shopping, close shopping with Morgan alone would be a lot to do in a weekend. But to do all three of those in the span of two days would just be ridiculous. Well, you know. Uh, my in-laws, they live in North Carolina, which is a little little distance from Pennsylvania. So when they come up, you know, sometimes it can feel like a little bit of a whirlwind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the we try to do one thing and it's exhausting because there's just, it's so much to figure out, so much to coordinate. So I can't imagine them coming in and being like, we're going to do this with you and this with you and both of those two things taking up good three hours or so to do, like... Mm-hmm. That's a lot. I honestly, I think uh, the next day she just kind of fell asleep and forgot to wake up. Yeah, it's very <laughs> She's ab- probably exhausted. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so Corey is uh, promised, or she's given him a Cal Ripken baseball card, uh, rookie year, which unlocks our fun fact about uh, Cal Ripken. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get it eventually. Yeah, <laughs> no, not that one. Um, How could you possibly so, know that? <laughs> so Cal Ripken's nickname was the Iron Man. He played for 21 years, uh, playing shortstop and third base for the Baltimore Orioles. And he holds the record for most consecutive games at 2,632, passing Lou Gehrig's streak at 2,130. He just wanted to pass it by over 500. No big deal. No, of course. Uh, his rookie year was 1990 or 1981, uh, but he only played 23 games. Uh, so it was probably true rookie year would have been in 82, which as I was looking for rookie baseball cards of his, 82 was the one that kept popping up. Uh, so that's probably the year they're taking it. He did play 160 games that year. So the card values that I've seen for this, for the first one was like 150, which is not that far off of what uh, Sean was saying. Mm-hmm. I did see one that was listed for $327. And this next one, 
I'm not saying I don't believe it, but this better be the most perfect card ever, like signed <laughs> his rookie year, preserved ever since, in a vault, in protected. Blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 6750 bucks. Okay, I know collectors, it's worth whatever a collector will pay, but that is ridiculous. Right. So that's what I'm saying. This needs to be the most pristine, perfect card ever, because that's ridiculous. That's right, Grandma. Exactly. Uh, now, the last thing about this that I want to say, because this podcast has been baseball themed, because that's what Corey is into, we're going to get away from this eventually. But there was <laughs> this famous moment in 2001 uh, at the All-Star Game. This was uh, the last season of Cal Ripken's playing. So this is going to be his last All-Star game. And um, Alex Rodriguez, which I know has been notoriously considered a bad guy in baseball, especially for Boston Red Sox fans. I'm sorry, but he did a nice thing. Uh, he traded spots with Cal Ripken. So that way Cal Ripken could start as the shortstop. Uh, at the All-Star game. And, and I actually watched the clip earlier and you can see Cal Ripken fighting and like, no, 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 I don't need to do that. You And uh, they show to um, the manager and he's like, get over the shortstop. <laughs> <laughs> and the announcer are like, hey, the manager's saying you got to get over there, so you got to get over there. So, <laughs> you know, just those type of little moments are always nice, I think, in a game like baseball. Uh, signs of respect because so often in sports that's not what we talk about mm -hmm. uh, so just a nice little moment I think figured we should bring that up you know yes as a, as a dad <laughs> of course yeah <laughs> now Alex Rodriguez will ruin that once he goes to New York and he you know tries to do bad things to the Boston Red Sox but Oh, of course. Not, not the point. <laughs> I, I, I had to mention that. Otherwise, I would have had a Boston Red Sox fan uh, on, my, on my throat about it. So, Oh, of course. <laughs> but anywho, uh, Corey asks her, how did you get this card? And her response, I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. Or I traded it for seven bucks and something else. <laughs> uh, and just so you know, uh, because I looked into it super quick, uh, I just kind of Googled, hey, why did Johnny Cash write that down? And essentially, he just <laughs> wanted to find something that was a dumb reason to kill someone. <laughs> so what's the dumber reason than just, hey, I wanted to shoot someone just to watch him die? Sounds like a pretty dumb thing. I wrote it. Yeah, that's a pretty senseless reason. Yeah. Johnny Cash, <laughs> legendary... Uh, Singer. That's right. So uh, we go to the next scene where Grandma and, Sh and Eric are already returning from uh, their excursion at the uh, car show. And apparently it was one of the best car shows she's ever been to. She says both Bernie Copel and Jamie Farr were both on the same stage. Where are you going to see that? <laughs> do you have their IMDb in front of you? I do not have them in front of me, but I can tell you the Love Boat meets MASH would be a huge crossover in that day and age. Yes. Uh, so Bernie Copel has over 142 acting credits to his name. Uh, big uh, keys of those is Get Smart, the original TV show, and The Love Boat. And then Jamie Farr, uh, 101 acting credits, uh, MASH, Cannonball Run franchise, and more importantly, Jacob Marley from Scrooged. 
Yes. And we'll see Bernie in a few seasons down the road. I too. know. The moment <laughs> I saw that, I was like, wait a minute. I've seen this guy before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Eric is showing off his uh, signed arm by Graziella. Uh, Tatiana Graziana. <laughs> yes. Just so for the rest. She laughed, but it was a flirty laugh. <laughs> so for the record, and I only took a few seconds to do this, but this person doesn't exist. Oh, of course not. It's just a name they made up. Um, I think she's French. <laughs> she could be. Let's just say she is. Yeah. <laughs> She's probably actually from Canada, but, you know, whatever. Made up a person, uh, signs his arm. Uh, she's on the Victoria's Secret cover, so, you know, good for him. Of course. Uh, but we follow Eric into the kitchen. He's eating a slice of pizza, and Feeney knocks on the door. Oh, yes, and I have this entire exchange clipped for us here. You mean the first exchange between Eric and Mr. Feeney? Oh, yes. <laughs> if one were entertaining a young woman, a young girl your age, um, how would he go about it? Mr. Feeney, you dating a teenage girl? <laughs> Not since the Eisenhower administration. <laughs> no, my niece is visiting for a few days. She's your age. She'll need to be entertained. And I thought that maybe you could help me out. Look. I would love to meet your niece, Mr. Feeney, but see, I got this really bad case of strep throat <laughs> spreading down my lungs and like into my pancreas. So as you can see, I'm, I'm completely strep. Relax. I'm merely curious as to how a contemporary teenage girl entertains herself. Oh, okay. Well, it's my experience that if they can't find a senior with a car, they'll settle for some gullible sophomore who's willing to empty his pockets on a dinner he can't really afford, a movie he doesn't want to see, and a door slammed in his face. Somewhere in that brimming cup of bile, I heard dinner in a movie. Yeah, see, dinner and movie is the premier form of dating entertainment, you know. Dinner, movie, movie, dinner, 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 movie, movie. A wonderfully rich tapestry of human experience. Don't mock what I am, Mr. Feeney. <laughs> so for, for the record, for those that are unaware, uh, the Eisenhower administration took place between 1953 and 1961. They're really putting Mr. Feeney in the 50s here and uh -huh. old enough to date a teenage girl. So, so one could argue that either A, he's a young 20-something dating a teenager, or they're claiming he was a teenager in the... Uh, 50s. Either way, with Mr. Feeney's moral code, he was definitely a pretty young buck in the 50s. <laughs> was he a greaser? Oh my gosh, I'd give anything to have a Mr. Feeney greaser prequel. <laughs> a Mr. Feeney the greaser? Or was he a square? <laughs> I could... Okay, from... I think Feeney would have been a greaser. <laughs> you but think so? He probably has a, a traumatic story of a buddy of his getting killed on the streets, and that turns him away from being a greaser. Hmm. Interesting. And he also drives off in a cloud with his wife to be. Hmm. Okay, then. 
Feeney is Danny Zuko. <laughs> be together. Had some summer loving. Had me a blast. <laughs> yes. So Corey's a little concerned because Grandma's a little tired. He goes, "Hey, we still gonna be able to um, go tomorrow?" He goes, "Are you kidding? I'm looking forward to it." Hey everyone, uh, we're just going to punch in real quick. Uh, we just want to give a big shout out to you uh, who is listening right now. Uh, we've seen some responses just in um, the amount of people that have been listening. And it, it kind of just blows me away at this point. And so we just want to say thank you and we appreciate you. And uh, we're so happy you're listening. We are very much so. We're we're very happy to find out that it's not just us that loves to uh, hear ourselves talk about Boy Meets World and and what the dads think. So thank you very much. Yes, thank you. And I just want to give a quick big shout out uh, to my sister. We just got married. So congratulations. I love you. And thanks for listening. But before we continue forward, we should backtrack for a moment. Feeney and Eric is my favorite pairing in this show. <laughs> like, I love their interactions. Like... <laughs> they are the best dot couple <laughs> yes i just especially like as as we go along later on once eric is out of high school you know mm-hmm. and there's no longer that teacher student relationship it gets into a mentor mentee relationship mm-hmm. and that's where they truly blossom and where he truly blossoms and so i just i love this moment of eric trying to be a smart aleck and then Feeney attempting to get something out of him, which leads him to, nope, not with a Feeney, <laughs> which he will come to regret saying that here mm-hmm. in a little bit. Uh, but we skip to the next day because this episode moves very quickly. It does. You know, dinner, movie, movie, dinner. <laughs> um, Corey's a little concerned because uh, Grandma should be here soon and he doesn't see her yet. I find it interesting that even though grandma is driving her own RV and, you know, she's with her caravan, that she didn't just, like, park on the street in front of the house. Yeah. 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 Like, I mean, I, I know the caravan probably found, like, a campground or somewhere where they could hook up their utility hookups or and everything, but why didn't she just park in front of the house and stay in the guest room overnight, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Plot <laughs> convenience. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, grandma's not there yet. And uh, Corey's getting a little concerned. And Amy, she has a crazy idea. Let's do some baking. Which is odd. And Corey's kind of like, all right. I mean, sure. <laughs> and then uh, Eric is just kind of chit-chatting away. And all of a sudden... All right, before you go any further. Okay, go ahead. I was laughing through this entire next sequence, and I clipped a fair amount of it. So I'm going to give you an option. I I trimmed a little bit more of it, or I clipped the long version. Which one do you want me to play? You know I want it all. Okay, so here we go. Eric came down to the kitchen during the baking. I got a lot of other things in my mind besides girls. A lot of other things. There's like, girl, girl, right there, right there. Where? It's niece. She's unbelievable. I, I gotta think, I gotta think. She gotta take her to a world she's never been to before. Dinner, movie, movie, dinner. This has to be perfectly orchestrated or else it's gonna... Weasel! 
Weasel, do you remember what we've been practicing? This is my brother, Rarick. He's very shy. <laughs> Perfect. Look, in exactly one minute, I want you to come outside and do what we've been doing at the mall. How will I know when it's a minute? Hey. Minute ding. Minute ding. Minute ding. Movie. Dinner. Movie. Dinner. How you doing, Mr. Feeney? And how can I help you in the garden today? Jessica. Strep throat cleared up, did it, Mr. Matthews? Strep throat? A guy like me? No, see, I work out much too hard to ever get strep throat. <laughs> so, uh, where would you like me to move this enormously heavy bag of fertilizer? I hadn't planned on moving it at all. Well, let me just effortlessly toss it over here, then. Who the... Speaking of fertilizer. Is this your little sister? That she is. I love Eric. Oh, please. Jessica, you couldn't possibly fall for this line. She of... is so cute. And so well rehearsed. Eric's taking me to the carnival today. When did I say that? <laughs> Looks like your parrot has learned a few new words. You want to come with us? Oh, with us? To the carnival with us, yes. Please come with us. Well, if that's okay with you, Uncle George. Well, I think the polite thing would be to extend an invitation for me to join you. <laughs> Mr. Feeney, would you like to come to the carnival with us? Oh, thank you so very much for asking, but no. I'd rather have gum surgery. <laughs> All right, so so let's back this up for a moment. I think the best part about this scene, and I'm going to say it throughout the whole thing we're talking about, as we're breaking down this scene, we're going to talk about this for the next 15 minutes. <laughs> the fact that Eric's trying to say, hey, I have other things on my mind besides girl. And then the next line is girl, girl, girl. Pretty girl. <laughs> right there, right there. His brother's like, where? There. And it's just this ridiculousness uh. of just his brain just shuts down of all rationale. And he's like, I got to I got to take her to a world she's never been to before. Dinner. Dinner. Movie, 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 dinner. dinner. <laughs> this is the perfect orchestration or, gonna, or else it's going to weasel. <laughs> Uh, and it's it's just yes, it is a very uh, a very obvious conceit within the story that Eric will go from I have much more on my mind than girls to pretty girl. Let's get Weasel in the picture, but it is just masterfully played out for us mm -hmm. and it's it's absolutely hilarious i'm i'm mm -hmm. sitting here listening to it and i've got tears rolling down my cheek i'm laughing so much <laughs> well and i love he grabs when will i know it's a minute he grabs the egg timer minute ding minute ding minute ding <laughs> and 
in fairness, I was listening for it earlier, and I heard the ding. Mm-hmm. You hear a little ding, and then you see Morgan walk out, and it's well, it's perfect. <laughs> this is my brother Eric. He's very shy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I will say that one of the things I've heard through different panels and whatnot is that the moment um, that Will Friedel really started to find Eric was in the scene with Mr. Feeney and his uh, niece mm-hmm. because he does the who the who the and just for whatever reason this moment just unlocks something in him of <laughs> oh this is the character mm-hmm. and it's just from this moment until the final oh, not even that until girl meets world that this character is just more and more unhinged <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be my new ringtone notification who the <laughs> Oh yes, and uh, Feeney's niece Jessica. This is Carrie yes. Carrie Russell's second acting credit. Yes. Uh, do you have anything on her? I do. Uh, this is her second acting credit. Uh, the year before, she appeared in Honey, I Blew Up the Kid in 1992. Yes. Uh, she broke out in uh, Felicity. Went on to star in movies such as Waitress, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, the TV series The Americans, and more, and is uh, still acting to this day. Felicity had 84 episodes, ran from 1998 to 2002. There you go. And there was... uh it was in the cultural zeitgeist because one of the years leading into one of the seasons, she cut her hair in between seasons. And well, even if you didn't watch she? the show, you knew about it. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like, I think she's one of those actresses that I haven't seen that much of. But like, for whatever reason, I'm very much aware that there's a famous lady named Carrie Russell and she's out there mm-hmm. acting. <laughs> Yeah. So yes, Jessica is uh, taking uh, a liking to Eric and his efforts and his. Uh, Who the? <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I just love that he's like, hey, you know, well, um, sorry, Morgan's like, Eric's gonna take me to the carnival, and you should come too. Mm-hmm. So even though Morgan is kind of turning this on Eric and getting what she wants out of it, she's still being his his uh, his wing girl. We'll call her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she really is. Mm-hmm. She's gonna get something out of it, and she's gonna do something that she wants. But she's still gonna do what she's trained for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she is helping him do what she needs to do. Um, can I can I have a just a. 30 second soapbox real quick sure in what world in November is there a carnival going on in Pennsylvania like I'm sorry it could literally snow the day after Halloween and no one would blink an eye you're telling me that someone spent like a year coming up with a carnival for Pennsylvania in November 
Like, do you know how many things could go wrong that would make us stop? I've had snow hit me in October. We had school cancellations in October, middle of football season, because of this. Like, what? And you can't tell me that Philadelphia is that far off of Pennsylvania as I know it. Like, it's not that much warmer. Well, you did grow up a lot closer to lake effect snow than Philly is. Fair. But at the same time, though, it's so cold in that time period. <laughs> like, everyone should be wearing a much heavier jacket. Eric is running around in a t-shirt at this point. <laughs> yes. Now, again... You could argue they wrote this episode before Halloween, and thus, if they're in the middle of fall, I could see that. However, Mm -hmm. they just had the Halloween episode, so to make sense of the story as presented in continuity... You're telling me that all of this is happening in November. (laughs) I think it's funny that you're having more issues with the carnival rather than the fishing trip in early morning November. That's, that's my next my next gripe. You're telling me that Alan Matthews, A, went on a camping trip with his son's best friend, and B, it's November and he's fishing? He's got some heavier stuff on, but it could be ice fishing for all they know with the way that, you know... Mm-hmm things are going and that sean sean willingly got up early on a saturday morning to go out fishing in november i think they say this is sunday that's right that's right it is sunday and they have a magical monday off as well what is this world we're living in well monday could be voting day it's pennsylvania we don't have a voting day that's holiday Ooh, ooh, maybe it's the first day of hunting season it would i think you're trying to make me mad (laughs) Um, no it wouldn't matter in philadelphia could be voting like no well what is it veterans day if veterans day is falling on monday you could argue that you know they may be around. The more likely idea is that it's a teacher's in-service day, you know, and, and an in-service training day even. Fair. Fair as well. Because clearly the uh, Feeney's niece is off. She's going to be there for another day. And so Eric says, hey, I'll see you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And remember, this is 1993. And, you know, climate change was not as bad then as it is now. No, so it should be worse. It should be literally <laughs> snowing in November. Oh my gosh. This this fake universe <laughs> trying to be crazy. That's very accurate. <laughs> Speaking of fertilizer. As we continue through uh grandma still has not shown up yet Corey's getting even more concerned and they are baking up a storm because what else is Corey to do um and Corey and mom are going back and forth and um Corey has the realization that grandma's not coming it's obviously happened before but it's he's finally old enough where he's realizing that she's just flaking on him and it's not just something that happened that she made the choice right. to do something else right. well and 
I mean, this could be the first time this has ever happened, you know, or just, you know, as you're saying, just finally old enough that it happened that he remembers it. Mm hmm. So, yeah, she's not going to show up. And so Amy tries to turn it around. Hey, let's go bowling. And uh, I've got this phone call on uh, on tape here. Hi, Miss Hunter. It's Corey. Sean around. What do you mean he's gone fishing? Did you know your husband's cheating on me with someone else's son? You forgot to call Sean. Goodbye, Mrs. Hunter. I forgot. You didn't tell him you weren't going on the fishing trip. I forgot. So he still showed up. I guess he didn't forget. And now he's out there with my dad, drinking root beer, eating potato chips, bonding away. I miss one thing with my dad, and he drops me for the first available son. Where are you going? I'll be in the treehouse. Hold my calls. So this leads me into an interesting uh, question, Brett. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been uh, disappointed by a uh, family member? Oh, I have, yeah. I'm trying to think of, uh, of one I could share. Not that there's a vast amount of ones that would be inappropriate to share. I'm just trying to think of one mm-hmm. that's quick that I could share. I mean, there there are a handful of times where, you know, schedules did not align, where uh, I was not able to, to be able to go and do something that I wanted to do with a friend because, uh, you know, we had one car and I grew up in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it's not like we could just hop on a bus or walk. Dad had to work and had to have the car and couldn't make that sacrifice because had to work to be able to provide for the family. And in that, you know, in that time, I was I was disappointed. You know, one of our grandparents um, just kind of didn't want to be a grandparent, um, could argue didn't want to be a mom. And so would come around sporadically and at points would make promises and then break them and you know i it never really affected me much what what was the worst was she made promises to my sister and then never fulfilled them and my sister being younger than me and me wanting to protect her i couldn't and hey people want to live their lives and don't want to be certain things that's okay um you know, I I will say I do have a grandma who lives in Florida that I only see on occasion, but every time I'm with her, it's special. You know, mm-hmm. every time she's there, I I know that we're gonna have a good time. So at no point have I ever gone, well, you know, that grandma's not here, but this one's here. I'm fine. It's just been like, well, I just get to have a moment with this grandma. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Now my grandma's not gonna was never going to drive, you know, two, uh, two days, two, two nights to get me somewhere. Um, but she w- is an incredible lady and I love her dearly. And, uh, you know, every moment we get with her is always special. Mm-hmm. As grandparents start to pass away, you realize just how special all the moments are you have with them. Mm-hmm. Good or bad. So, oh, yeah. but anywho, enough of my sappiness. <laughs> er, er, Corey's in the treehouse and uh, Eric... Morgan and uh, Jessica return from the carnival. Do you have the clip of any of this stuff or? Oh, 
I have a clip for after all of uh, Eric, the Libmaster. Very oh, nice. Goes down. Right. So uh, Morgan is still, you know, trying to help charm Jessica. Uh, we find out that Eric spent a lot of money and a lot of effort uh, trying to give uh, his sister a giant stuffed thing. And I will say, as a big brother, you'll do anything for your little sibling. Especially if you're trying to impress the girl. Yep. Especially if you're trying to impress a girl. Uh, we find out that uh, Morgan is just still m- milking it as much as possible. And then finally she walks inside. Apparently all she wanted was Eric's <laughs> new sunglasses. So yeah, Eric's going to give me his new sunglasses. <laughs> and then uh, Eric and Jessica are starting to be more, more flirty flirty. Which leads to kissy kissy. Which leads to... Mm-hmm. He has definitely gotten much yeah. smoother since the pilot. Well, Confidence. Confidence is what he's developing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Alan and Sean and Corey kind of find them. Kissy, kissy. Uh, the look on Alan's face, like he's kind of looking above, so he's not looking at them. And then he's got that kind of smile and that look of amusement on his face, like he's busted him. Corey's got that look of shock and amusement. And, you know, Sean's just like giddy. Every- the lib master very nice <laughs> the moments dead buried yes and i do appreciate that eric tries to say hey kissing is not a spectating sport and then all three of them proceed to clap <laughs> and uh appreciate him for his efforts oh that was great <laughs> yeah school no school on monday what's up with that uh, fishing trip on november are you kidding me I already covered that, so we're good. Uh. (laughs) Yeah. So Jessica goes inside, and then this is where I've got the the clip. She's related to Feeny? (laughs) Nice. Nice. Nice? She's beautiful. I mean, it's the most incredible girl I ever kissed. Which puts her at the top of a list of what? Two? Look, making out is not a spectator sport. What are you doing back from Baltimore so early? I didn't go to Baltimore. Why not? Because I stayed here all day because Grandma dumped me. Well, my best friend was out stealing my dad. Oh, grow up. I wasn't stealing your father. Good night, Sean. Night, Dad. So Grandma never showed, huh? No, she didn't. You want to talk about it? Doesn't really seem like there's much to talk about. Oh, boy, are you wrong. Where are you going? I'm hungry. Sean ate everything on a boat except the worms. He usually likes those. Ah, yes. Eric is a little embarrassed and uh, trying to recover from it. Sean, or Corey, is quite upset with both Alan and uh, Sean. And Grandma. Um... And I love that we get into just a simple conversation with Alan and uh, Corey and him being honest about who his mother is. You know, she's not a perfect woman. And this is this is probably my only real issue with the episode because. And I understand that there are people like this in the world, and I understand that that grandma does love her grandchildren in this instance and that she loves Alan in this instance, but there's a really wide berth given here 
that here's here's a woman who blows into town, makes these grandiose plans, mm-hmm. and flakes on them. And you know she's got this track record. And even though Alan shares this really cool story where you know she uh, you know she forgot to sign the permission slip, but uh, you know somehow made up for it by taking him to Cape Canaveral. Something in that just as, as a parent, I don't look at that and see that as something to yeah. admire that you that you live your life in such a way that you are showing someone else how little they mean to you that they mm-hmm. become that afterthought that you're willing to make promises to them only to go back on those promises and have to do something bigger and better to make up for that and to never really have to face up to it or to change that. And even when she shows up, she asks if he'd ever have her change. And he says, no, <laughs> like I, I've, I've not had someone in my life to that extent, but I have had some people in my life over the years that, had that type of a commitment to uh, time or uh, keeping their word when they said they'd be somewhere or do something. And I don't, I do not feel respected or appreciated when people will say, yes, I'm going to do something and they don't do it, especially when it's someone in that, that position in the life of someone like Corey. And I, I appreciate what Alan was doing with Corey, but I, that's one that I, I'm not, I, I don't like where that went. I understand that it's a real world uh, thing and that it happens and there's really not much you can do in that situation, but I, uh, I don't Icky. know. It's, it's, it's just something that doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. I do understand the point of you can't always control the parents you have um and you know there's a strong chance that one of the reasons that eric or eric alan and amy get together so early as as we learn later on is because alan was seeking stability you know if Mm-hmm. Alan's mom is kind of flaky, probably on the hippie-ish side of you go with the flow and, you know, you make do with what you make do. Um, you know, that's that's reasonable. And, you know, we learn that Alan's father's kind of a, a, a stick in the mud, I guess would be the best way to put it. Um you know, so he's probably getting these very opposite ends from both sets of his parents of mom is always all over the place. Dad is probably drinking and uh, his rules are always the rules because, you know, you you get the sense from Alan that he has a kind of a rough exterior and it's through his family and acceptance of what his life is that he is, is making better choices. And and mm-hmm. just because as 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 we are dads who would never 
put our children through what uh, what his mom puts him through. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that she doesn't love him any less than than I think we would love our children. Mm-hmm. It's just she's a broken person, and I think Alan's at the point in his life where he's like, "Hey, this is who she is." You know, and he's probably spent mm-hmm. enough time crying about it and wondering why is my mom like this. And you know, when my first son was born, I instantaneously had a much deeper understanding of why my parents were the way they were. <laughs> and you, it's so hard to understand why your parents make choices the way they make until you have your own kids, and then as you see more of yourself coming out in your children, you go, oh gosh what did they have to deal with with me (laughs) someday you'll have children and they'll be just like you but but again (laughs) not everyone's built to be a parent oh no no there's a strong chance that his mom wasn't built to be a parent but instead of some moms who just kind of disappear and you know don't really care about what happens to their kids she didn't fully disappear she just kind of comes and goes and has great big moments so the kitchen is full of muffins (laughs) so many muffins (laughs) so uh, how okay how much baking do you actually think was required to get that many muffins Mm, i i think that craft service is just like ordered a bunch of muffins. Of course they did. That's the, that's the real world answer, Brett. I'm looking for the canon, how many, how many I, I think, trips to the I, I think grocery in, store that they have universe, to make. In universe, they needed to go back to the grocery store at least once and load up on, uh, you know, another, I'd say 30 pounds of flour, Eh, 15 pounds of sugar assorted other other seasonings and whatnot unless they have a giant dog size feeding zone that's just for flour which is possible but i haven't seen it in that kitchen (laughs) (laughs) it's in the secret pantry i don't think amy does enough baking on screen yet to see the need for it (laughs) but i will say there's a part of me that wonders if Amy, the moment her mother-in-law came into town, she decided to stock up on something she knew she could have control of. It's very possible. And, you know, when, uh, when Grandma first showed up, you know, we saw Alan's resignation. We saw Amy's, uh, Amy's resignation as well. They both knew what was coming. They knew someone was going to get hurt. And, you know, just waiting to see which kid it was going to be yeah well i mean technically baking could be any an activity that any of the kids could have done with her and mm-hmm. probably more or less she was waiting to cushion Corey or morgan yes because i think if eric was gotten the shaft first of all he wasn't going to get the shaft because he's the oldest mm-hmm. but uh you know i think she was ready for a blow to those two and she could probably talk down eric off of it you know Oh, Eric would have been easy to, you know, (laughs) Eric just needs a girl. (laughs) And there's always a good chance that Eric was disappointed by her in the past. Mm -hmm. And Eric, Eric may have already come to the realization that Corey has in this episode. Yeah. 
and so. very likely has. Yeah. Yes. The oldest go through the the most trauma. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. We yeah, live a hard so, life. So Eric comes running into the kitchen. Yes, I love that so much. Comes bursting through the kitchen. <laughs> no matter what, tell Feeney I've been here for the last twenty minutes. <laughs> you don't happen to have this exchange, do you? I, I do not have this That's exchange. That's okay. No. We'll talk through it. Uh, but then Feeney comes through immediately, and he's just like, "Keep your child out of my You're, house, away from Eric my niece, and his hormones in the house until my niece leaves." <laughs> Oh, hold on. Well, George, I don't know what you're talking about. Eric has been in the house for the last 20 minutes. Yes. <laughs> Why, George? I love the way he says it. Why, George? What are you talking about? Eric has been in his room. <laughs> oh, but Grandma's there, too. I just, I love that. <laughs> Excuse me, I will not be jerked around. <laughs> oh, oh Feeney, just and, trying to get uh, some respect. And I, I had a problem with the way that Grandma dealt with Mr. Feeney, too. Yeah. Like, she pulls in. You know, we know that Mr. Feeney is, you know, he's the stick in the mud. And, you know, he's really, he really takes a lot of pride in his gardening. But. He saw her pull in not 40 seconds before he ran in the house. He saw her pull in and and run over his mums. And he does not believe her lie. He is the teacher that does not give Corey straight A's. Have you mm-hmm. met? Have you talked to the boy? <laughs> right. And all because of that, she's going to go out and drive over the rest of his flowers mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm sure it's for the joke but that really did not rub me the right way <laughs> no uh, well that's the thing too is like she's solving a small problem but could be making a much ginormous problem for <laughs> Alan to deal with bigger problem <laughs> right so I'm sure the next day Alan had to apologize to Feeney for Eric's actions for his mother's actions and I think oh, I don't think you apologize for Eric's <laughs> <laughs> well I just I know that there's no way that Alan does not go through anytime people meet his mom and go I'm really sorry for what happened oh, I'm sure he does yeah yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's got that one rehearsed down to a science. Uh, real quick, before we go on to further, uh, I do want to backtrack for a second for a small deep dive. Um, because Alan talks about um, not being able to go to the space station um, with on his class field trip. And his mom wakes him up one day. Uh, the date would be, well, it would have been May 3rd. But... Um, on May 5th, 1961, uh, Mercury 3 was launched, uh, and it was the first uh, U.S. Uh, human space flight. Uh, the mission lasted about 15 minutes and 28 seconds, and they launched out of Cape Canaveral, uh, piloted by another Alan, Alan Shepard. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it was uh, recovered by the USS Lake 
uh, Chaplin out of the North Atlantic Ocean. And I know you're wondering, so I'll tell you. Uh, the rocket <laughs> was the Rocket Redstone MRLV MR7. I know you're wondering. I know you're a big rocket fan, so I figured <laughs> I'd tell you. Well, there we go. My questions have been answered. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm cool. I'm cool. God help me. <laughs> so, yes, uh, Grandma deals with Feeny. Uh, I just love how uh, Corey tries to show, don't you love her? And I just love Feeny's reaction. No. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the perfect answer. Yep. And uh, we we go to the end where we have Corey and Sean in Corey's bedroom. And Sean is admiring the Cal Ripken... Uh, junior rookie card and uh, he's making it clear hey man this is worth some money and again Corey repeats what his grandma said which is she shot a man in Reno just to watch him die just to watch him die <laughs> or picked it up at a swap meet for seven bucks so he says hey your grandma must really love you because I'm sure she does and that's the end Mm-hmm. So Grandma, who comes in chaotically, and we never see her again. That's right. Thank you, uh, Grandma, for your service. We appreciate <laughs> you greatly. And thank you, Carrie Russell, a.k.a. Jessica, <laughs> for your service as well. That's right. I, I forgot. We, we, st- <laughs> we, we stopped doing the salutes to uh, the service. <laughs> oh. Well, it's not that we st- we, we stopped. We just forgot to last episode because we didn't have anyone. We pointed out it. Well, no, no, we we did have a one timer. We just thank you, thank you, evil, evil British lady. We appreciate your service as well. Evil snooty British woman. <laughs> now, to be clear, before before we get off the rails, if this was a grandpa doing exactly the same things, it would bother us. Oh, totally. If it was a British man doing the same exact things, it would bother Completely. us. Like, it's not because it's a grandma. It's not because it's a mean British lady. This was a week ago, of course. But, you know, <laughs> it, at the end of the day, it's got nothing to do with the gender. It has all to do with the fact of the way the person is acting and how frustrating that can be. Especially since we're viewing this in the lens of dads that's right we would want to protect our own children and their their emotional well-being and their yes. their connections to their grandparents and these people that they look up well, to it's a responsibility that's right um that a grandparent has and it's a title that you earn um just as a parent it's a title you earn that's right it's not something that's given lightly all righty um okay so brett Yes, Tyler. What what did you learn from this episode? Well, I learned something very simple. People will let you down. It doesn't mean they don't love you, but they will let you down. What I learned is no matter how old you are, a scheme is a scheme. And if you can get one up on someone, get one up on someone. (laughs) Um, You know. Mr. Feeney, he likes to run a scheme. Corey likes to run his scheme. Heck, even Alan and Amy, they like to run their little schemes, you know. Mm -hmm. We call those parenting and teaching, but, you know. Of course. (laughs) They are running schemes, essentially. So, 
It's okay to be a little shysty. As long as, long as, as you're, you're teaching something. <laughs> yes, as long as you're teaching a valuable lesson. As long as there's a lesson to be learned, yes. <laughs> All righty. Uh, what grade would you give this? Uh, I landed on a B. Um, B? Yeah, there's there's some good, uh, there's a lot of great humor, a lot of great stuff with Eric and Weasel. Um, I like uh, I like the story arc that Corey goes through. The only thing that really drags it down for me, like I've already gone through, is just a, a lot of the stuff with, with Grandma is just, it just, it, it rubs me the wrong way in the end, and it doesn't, as much of a real world wrap up as it is, it just the fact that it's not addressed to her directly at any point. Right. The the, the fact that Corey is so quick to accept it just I don't know, it just it bothers me. So I, yep. I settled on a B. I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh as you were talking about this episode, my grading actually rose. Oh. Um so I'm going to give it a B as well. Um, just the moment with Eric and Feeney, all of that is gold. <laughs> Mr. Feeney, are you dating um, a teenager? <laughs> you know, the stuff with the grandma does kind of drag me down. Um, especially just kind of just how it is, just nonchalantly. Hey, this is just the way things are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have a responsibility as adults, as parents and you know grandparents have responsibility. Um, and as a uncle, you have a responsibility <laughs> to make sure that no teenage boy is sneaking into the room your niece is in. That's right. So, you know, Feeney and Eric, uh, they raise this episode and Corey's storyline kind of drags it down a little bit, but you know, mm-hmm. it is what it is. Also, just the moment that, <laughs> uh, Sean and Alan return, all that is just gold. <laughs> The Libmaster. <laughs> and Morgan, as always, is adorable. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Ah, uh, yes. I have a uh, dad joke for you, and then we can get ourselves out of here. Lay it on me, Big Daddy. How did the telephone propose? I don't know. How did the telephone propose? With a ring. (laughs) (laughs) So, Brett, uh, they can find us, uh, Dad's Meat World, on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Where can they find you? Well, they cannot find me in Grandma Bernie's uh, RV, that's for sure. She might shoot me <laughs> to watch me die. But you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Headley Art. Uh, where can we find you if we want to stalk you online? Well, people can find me at Tyler Volk on Twitter. All right. This has been a Dad's Meat World podcast. And to all you good lookings out there, book them good looking. See you next time, good looking. You can find Dad's Meat World on Facebook, Twitter, and probably a few other places just by searching for Dad's Meat World. Dad's Meat World is a production of Head First Studios. Head First Studios, tell your story.
Alrighty. Well, Brett, uh, people can find us on, uh... <laughs> Are you just closing us out? Oh, no, it's just playing underneath us. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's like a three-minute-long track. I just, you know, just play it underneath right. us. <laughs> I just this forgot great audio. I just forgot to hit it earlier last time. <laughs> okay. It started to scare me. I'm like, are you trying to cut me off? You're getting the hook early. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Alright, let's try this again. Alright. So, so.